At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the show, visit us at Patreon.com. And for as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron. Or you can buy cool Lorehammer products like shirts, coffee mugs, and dice bags at www.redbubble.com. Don't want to spend any money? Well, you can help out the show by giving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also hop on over to Facebook and like our page. And feel free to send us a message. It's the only enjoyment Mark gets out of his miserable life. Hello, welcome to Lorehammer. My name is Eric. Come gather down, children. Come sit on Uncle Mark's lap nope. as I tell you a nope. tale. A tale of listener laws. Nope. Old Uncle Mark and his lap. Come on, children. Nope. <laughs> I I was hoping you'd say, don't like that. But I don't I, like that. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still going to come sit on the lap, right? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't. Why? Why would I? Anyways. Uh, welcome to uh, a listener lore. Uh, joining us today, going to doing some reading for us, is Rio. Hi. How are you? Great. Thanks Good. for having me back. Have wow. you done your vocal exercises? Yeah. Have you yeah. warmed up? I have. Yeah. In my car on the way over here, I screamed at the top of my lungs. Wore it out. Perfect. <laughs> Good. And then also joining us is James. Hello. How are you doing? I'm well. Excellent. What I like Hot to off hear. another victory. Well, <laughs> you know what? They keep trying to nerf me, but I keep swinging back. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's Iron Hands. What do you expect? <laughs> okay, I let's... expect you to die, Mister <laughs> Bond. <laughs> How dare you? Oh, I dare. Uh, okay, let's get into it. So we have. Five. Oh, before we. Uh... Get into it. So, listener lore, we're going to be reading off listener lores. Um, when you send these in, uh, make sure you send it so it's like we can read it in at least 10 minutes. Uh, we got a couple that when I was trying to compile this, that was like, that's 15 pages. Like, I don't have time for that. I'm not uh, that. Yeah. So, yeah, like when you're sending them in, send them into our, our email, lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you can kind of read them within 10 minutes. Um, and then the only other thing. Is there's one other thing I would have to say? Well, 
you know, let it go. If it no, uh, it was left super you, important. If it left you, it, it never loved you, and if it came back, it was because I don't know. It's meant to be. Okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay. Well, it'll come back to me then. Carry on. <clears throat> Let's do this. So, uh, the first one, I guess I'm gonna read. Uh, was submitted to us by... Oh, yes, I remember. Okay, that. <laughs> that's all it took. It was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other thing is, like, we get a bunch of these, um, like, you know, we have so many. So when you email it to us, we probably won't get around to reading it until we read it live on the episode. So I know lots of people message us. Oh, this, yeah. You know, 20-page Word document. It's like, what are your thoughts? And it's just like, I, I can't, man. I, I can't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, so I will respond to your email, but I will not be reading them. <laughs> Until we do it live on the podcast. So if you're looking for feedback, you're just going to have to wait your turn. Yeah. That, that's all I want to say. Perfect. Just just be patient. <laughs> Don't be in such a hurry. No? Nobody? All right. <laughs> Fuck. <clears throat> There's a little children's song for you. <laughs> all right. Am I allowed to go now, Mark? Is... The final thing before we start. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get anyone with a water? Guest? Anyone? Listeners, anyone want a water before we get into this? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I take it away, Eric. I'll wait here patiently. <laughs> okay, let's go. <clears throat> so this was submitted to us from Zrin, and the title is The Shrine of the Resonating Echo. Uh, so this reads in point form, so it's not a story or narrative. I'll read the bold if you read everything else. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Not doing that. Okay. Uh, so it starts with Craftworld Ibrasil, and this is from Lexicanum. Uh, Ibrasil is an Eldar Craftworld located in the western quadrant of the Segmentum Obscurus. They are primarily a matriarchal society, fostering many Howley Banshees and female Otarks. The gifted farseers of the Craftworld labor long in their hunt for the hidden secrets of the Crone Worlds, hoping to secure both spirit stones and doomsday weapons that would tip the balance in their race's war of survival. As followers of Morai Heg, the blind crone goddess of the underworld, they constantly aspire to recover the long-lost secrets of the crone worlds, the former elder homeworlds now residing within the Eye of Terror. Ibrasil's traditional colors are blue and white. Ibrasil's symbol is the hand of Heg. <clears throat> okay. Color scheme, purple and white. The purple is their own choice, while they maintain the white of Ibrasil's, and most other Eldar, traditional colors. Aspect. Utilizing their representation of the melee combat aspect of Kayla Menchikane, the Howling Banshees of the Shrine of the Resonating Echo are often sent ahead of Eldari insurgents into volatile battlefields to seek and destroy targets of value to weaken the command structure of their enemies or cause chaos among their ranks. Known for... The Banshees of this shrine are known, for, are known to use mimicry in aid of their missions and are sometimes sent to retrieve items or individuals of value because of their lightly armored stealth capabilities. The shrine itself is a massive, multi-chambered amphitheater where any Eldar walking the path of the artisan are openly welcomed to come and perform or showcase their creations. Exarchs. Exarchs of the Shrine of the Resonating Echo are often those who once walked avenues of the path of the artisan, namely that of acting, theater, and singing. Notable members. Exarch Amaranthus. Personality. Frightingly charismatic. <laughs> Cares deeply for her melodies, like a mother for her young, but changes in a heartbeat to become wrathful and vicious. 
In the extreme, anyone outside of the resonating echoes who obeys her orders do so either because, quote, I don't quite know, it just seems like what I should be doing, unquote, <laughs> or through fearful obedience. Abilities. Master Mimic is said to be able to mimic anything she hears or studies long enough, even more so than her melodies. During missions, she will coordinate with other banshees of this shrine to create distractions and diversions to draw enemies out or confuse them during battle. Preferred weaponry and tactics. Employs liberal use of a triskel to strike at targets she deems high priority at the beginning of a fight, often, opposing, often an opposing captain, leader, or anyone who seems to be driving the enemy force. Openly denounces the use of ranged weaponry for her personal use, instead following up on thrown melee attacks. Ranged so ranged weapons. weapons. Yeah. <laughs> By viciously pulling these weapons from the corpses of her dispatched targets during her charge, before engaging in dispatching surrounding targets with extreme prejudice. Likely a result of her exarch status as a devout representation of the violence that Cain demands. Melody Isa. So this is a new exarch. Or, no, just a member of the Shrine of the Resonating Echo. Personality. The most well-trained in medical skills among the Echoes, having been on the path of the healer for more than 300 years. Excellent bedside manner, and is generally mm. very well received among mm. her sisters mm. and other Eldar. What? Why? Mm. I like bedside manner. That's okay. good. Preferred weaponry and tactics. A surgeon assassin using her knowledge of anatomy to her advantage. In infiltration missions, she cuts cleanly across where she believes her target's vocal cords are, keeping them silent as they die. I like that one, actually. Wait, you can still make sound if your vocal cords are cut. It's like gurgled, though. Sure. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I mean, You can't scream. Can you not scream if your vocal cords are cut? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, what do I know? I mean, if you have a giant hole in your neck, that yeah. probably wouldn't. We all know you're not super... I don't know my yeah, all. I don't know my all. Is this another I'm mantis sorry. shrimp scenario? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mel Carrie Jimothy over there. <laughs> Add it again. <laughs> I don't know Xenos biology, okay? Humans scream even when you come <laughs> Yeah, trust me, I've done it. <laughs> okay. Uh, Melody Tarine. Personality Very new to the Echoes, often interrupts others as they are speaking. Has often incurred the wrath of Amaranthus and warnings from the other melodies for not remembering certain teachings. Not hot-headed, just eager. A trickster enjoys her and the other Echoes' skills at mimicry and uses it as often as she can on the battlefield, and even off it, which is frowned upon by the other melodies, particularly Amaranthus. Is frequently warned about... Be and warned about and reminded of becoming lost on the path should she become consumed by the enjoyment of using her skills as entertaining weapons instead of necessities. Preferred weapons and tactics. Be it creating a weapon or discharging or a simple environmental sound, she relishes the chance to use mimicry to confuse opponents, often employs it right in the heat of battle to do this. Melody Dayarnith. Personality has recently announced her wish to experience the path of the seer and has been with the shrine of the resonating echo for most of her time on the path of the warrior 
wise and intelligent when it comes to military tactics, and is often counted on to predict enemy movements, patrols, and responses should they be discovered during a stealth mission. Preferred weaponry and tactics. Prefers to wield dual shuriken pistols to lay down small arms cover fire for her melodies. Melody and Boleyn. Personality. Known as the cultured one, and often engages in philosophical conversation with other Eldari about the nature of anything that takes her fancy at the time, or in artistic pursuits. Enjoys with light-hearted mirth watching others, metaphorically, squirm by asking sudden personal questions. Preferred weaponry and tactics? Slow and precise, almost playing with her opponents. Has often been witnessed blasting a single enemy with her banshee mask, then approaching them slowly while the bewildered opponent can only watch. Melody Selenine. Background. Has walked the path of awakening and path of the dreamer. Personality. The inventor and ideas woman. Has walked the path of the artisan and the path of the dreamer. When Selenine is not under tutelage from Amaranthus or meditating, she is studying known enemy tactics to find weak points, or studying her, sister, her and her sister's own abilities and styles to discover what might be improved. While usually a very calculating person, she is one of the most social of hers and those listed above, even though the plans plastered walls of her quarters might suggest an isolationist. Intending, intends on walking the path of command once she completes her path of the warrior with this shrine. Preferred weaponry and tactics. Though Amaranthus is the overall battlefield adjudicator, the Exarch knows and respects Selenine's skills at moments of prediction. Selenine is the shot caller in this regard, instructing the other melodies when they need to change their approach in a battle. Listed below are the known choirs, which are various formations that melodies take to create different effects with both their handheld weapons and masks. They are spoken psychically by the tactician overseeing any operation as deemed necessary, allowing only the most brief of commands as to not flood any one melody with intruding thought or emotion. So next we have the battlefield commands or choirs. So the concert. They fight as one, supporting each other as needed. This is standard operating procedure if the melodies are engaging in open combat. An aria. The command for a single banshee, usually an exarch if one is present, to become the focal point around which the center banshee is flanked by her sisters, which are in turn flanked by others in a convex formation. Once in formation, they all release an immense blast from their masks at once to form a wall of sound, often a defensive formation. Ballad. The command to go silent. Cease all exertions of sound as much as you possibly can. This is standard operating procedure when the melodies have successfully infiltrated a target location. Also the command to kill enemies silently, stopping targets from making a swan song. A swan song? Yeah. <laughs> a dirge. The command to execute with extreme prejudice and maximum destruction. When this is called, all melodies have permission to bring, targets, bring down targets by any means necessary. This is rarely used, and sometimes only when things are going badly. An elegy. Elegy? Elegy? Yes, elegy. 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 A melody has been felled. Every melody dreads this during a fight. The elegy command is always given with the name of the fallen melody following it, which communicates exactly whose body and spirit stone needs to be retrieved. A quartet or quintet. 
the command to focus either four or five melodies on a single target. Selenium believes that only four or five melodies are required to bring down a large, hard-to-kill target at any one time. Once either quartet or quintet is chosen, it is then followed by the name of the target or a brief psychic image of the target if no name is known. The corresponding number of melodies, chosen instantly with Psychic Congress, then engage that target under the dirge criteria. Boom. Cool. That's that's what she wrote. A little nice. disappointed in the fact that not one There's of no them space knew Marines. the perfect time to strike. Oh. But you <laughs> I, know what? I, I was going to make that joke because I thought someone did kind of know the perfect time to strike. Is, so. Did not Selene know the perfect time to strike? I she, think she she had the prediction. She was the oh she was the inventor and the ideas woman. Uh, Dayernith. Well, regardless, it doesn't matter. I've lost interest in this story. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. No, that was a very good story. Uh, wasn't really a story, but that was very good information. I liked uh, like how how detailed everything yeah. is. If you saw this tabletop on the like, if you saw this army on tabletop, it would. Like this was a good description of how he might run his army and yeah, how like he might this, play this would it be out. like a kill team for sure, more yeah. so yeah. than a forty. Including like some of the tactics as well. Yeah, yeah, like with the choirs and yeah, the overall theme is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a musical. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was it's like cats. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh-huh. That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> it is. A bunch of people dressed up in furry costumes, <laughs> hmm. running so, around singing. <laughs> So the craft world focuses a lot on Path of the Artisan. Is that... Did I get that right? Um, I thought it had a bunch of... Like it's the amphitheater. That's maybe it's no, not... That, that's the, the shrine. That's the shrine, not yeah. the craft world. Yeah, yeah. So the shrine of the Resonating Echo also has Path of the Artisan people in it. That's not normal. Well, people who have been on that path. Oh, I see. I thought they were welcomed, like to practice their art, like the path of the artisan and shrine, and the path of the this aspect, like shared a shrine. No, no, that's oh, not okay, how I okay. That makes more sense. It's just okay. So if you want to join this path, it's like you almost need a prereq. Yeah, yeah. Of sure. the path of the artisan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I like it. It's it's very well detailed, very well thought out. Um, I can't really pick out one thing that spoke to me but hmm. it's all just it was all good no it felt solid yeah yeah i like it's the, a good way, it's good background for a yeah. for a thing you're doing Guilty. and the colors were purple and white right? purple and white yeah. i kind of yeah. like to see what that would look like hmm. i like the battlefield commands all the different choirs that they have yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah that was really cool so there's how many melodies one two three four melodies five Five melodies that he listed and one exarch. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the the thing is, is he like me and you, Eric? We have different ideas of how like howling batteries actually work. Like you think it's more vocal, like they're actually screaming and using their helmets to amplify. Yeah. But, like I think it's definitely more psychic. Yeah. Um, uh, he he definitely of, describes a sound wall at one point. Yeah, yeah. and I, he did, does use the word psychic a couple times, too. So yeah. do you think he's leaning towards more of that psychic nature of it all? Hard to say. And it could be both, too, right? Can very well be. <laughs> um, yeah, it could be like a double attack. 
the same time. I don't know. Like he he in one of his choirs, he says they create a, a wall of sound, don't they? Yeah, in the aria, they release an immense blast from all their masks that want to form a wall of sound. It's a defensive formation. Nice. So that Spectre. that doesn't say it's a uh, psychic thing at all. No, but they do speak psychically to each other, which I mean every Eldar would. Yeah, I'm trying to find where he said. Um, whatever. Yeah, I like it. I have. I, I don't have. Anything I else to say. okay. My favorite is the Surgeon Assassin, cutting out the throats of their enemies, <laughs> yeah. so they can't. They can't make any noise. <laughs> I like it. It's like a double hatred, though, because it's like we hate you so much. Like we value singing or like our voice so much, and I'm just gonna remove your ability <laughs> to do it. <laughs> This is our thing. Yeah. <laughs> you can't <laughs> sit with us. <laughs> cool. Uh, anything else we want to share about what we thought? No, no, I honestly got nothing. Cool. Yeah. I'm usually just negative, so it's like when somebody writes a good story, I got nothing to say. Good call. Good yeah. call. Uh, so next, uh, who's going to read next? Um, I, I could read this one. Okay. Yeah. So okay. this is coming from Josh. Yeah. And this is, uh, it's an orc. It's an orc army. So, all right. So, this is Josh's. So, it is Tribe Flash Toff. So, this tribe is a branch of the Bad Moons clan, but was created from both Evil Sons and Bad Moons. Uh, spores, after a brawl, sorry, I'm reading this on my phone. Do you so. want to read on the computer? Yeah, it might be easier. Sorry, right. I have to kind of scroll around. Thank you. Okay, so. This tribe is a branch of the Bad Moons clan, but was created uh, from both the Evil Suns and the Bad Moons spores after a brawl between the two clans on a desert world with large expanses of plains so they could test out their tech. But they didn't like the other clan using their area. Uh, quote, this our big DACA spot, mm-hmm. said Bad Moons nod. <laughs> um after about 10 years of a good fight, the two clans were called to a war. Um, so they both leave, which most of the orcs, who are now dead, said was very unorky. <laughs> but, was, uh, but what was left was lots of scraps and, and spores as well. So these spores burst, birthed uh, the Flash Toff tribe. They began to combine, combine the scrap building machines of speed and armor of yellow. The current boss is Grin's Flash Toff. He's a large orc, around 11 feet tall, but he's covered with metal plates as well as crudely built weapons. Uh, he, he currently, his current prized possession is his Deaf Dread Scrapper, who has the scraps of an old war boss powering it. Interesting. <laughs> powering it? Yeah. It's orc tech. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense when it doesn't. You That's know? right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Deaf Dread Scrapper, who has the scraps of the old war. Or, sorry. Uh, I already read that. Uh, along with Grins, there are a number of mechs. And among the mech boys, there is a big mech, Boomer, uh, who is trying to make a group of killer cans out of squigs and grots. <laughs> Man, orc words. This is really... This is really well, they're not really words. They're just... <laughs> uh, 
He's hoping that the pain boy rot hasn't added any explosive to the combo brains, um, but that could be fun. <laughs> <laughs> now this tribe is birthed from the bad moons and the evil suns. Um, many of the orcs like to go fast, but they also have lots of toff. Recently, uh, the remains of a space hulk has crashed into the dead planet. The, um, the mech boys and the big mech boomer have begun looting and rebuilding the ship. Warboss Grins has asked the mechs for bombers so that they can have more DACA for their next brawl. What is DACA? DACA is just shooting capability. Okay, yeah. okay. Good to know. <laughs> the Space Hulk uh, remnants are slowly looking more orky with a large face of Mork or Gork painted on it, uh, painted, in, painted in red uh, with the, its guns all yellow. Before you con- continue the next part, what's Toph? I've never heard that. I'm almost thinking maybe it's like a play on word of tough. Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe. That's what I'm thinking. So they got too. like plenty of toughness. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Scrapper is Grin's personal dead, uh, deaf dread uh, and is covered in yellow plates equipped with rocket launches as well as claws. The pilot of Scrapper is the old war boss Rax. A Threka imitator, uh, he had a replica set of armor made, but he was several feet shorter. So, however, he was nearly as strong <laughs> and loved squigs and enjoyed making armored squigs. He would bolt metal onto them, which seemed to make them more ferocious, but this ultimately was his downfall. <laughs> the day Grins challenged Rax, Rax was beaten down, bloodied, then to show the tribe who was boss grins hung racks by his shoulders into his own squig pit <laughs> what is a squig pit <laughs> I, it's exactly what it's it sounds like it's a pit of squigs <laughs> okay <laughs> who then shredded the old boss uh, however grins pulled him out before the squigs could completely eat all of him then he had the mech boys build a deaf dread around him or what was left of him and uh, he is now known as Scrapper. And then this is about Big Mac Boomer. So Big Mac Boomer is known for his craft, making things more metal. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. No, I wonder if he means like like metal music. Yeah, like yeah. That's metal or yeah. literally just metal. Probably yeah. both. <laughs> I mean, yeah. orcs are pretty metal. <laughs> um so he often buys scraps of Ludus uh, for a lot less than what they should be. Then he takes a couple bolts and drills it into Orc's arms and chests. Um, yeah, and then his most prized possession is his big mech gun, which he built himself. However, he needs. Uh, however, he has made a special modification that shoots squigs instead of snots, which he says, "quote." This gives a good boom. <laughs> <laughs> the tribe knows knows now which ones not to eat due to their yellow hue and have very small bone mane. And this is Painboy Rot. So, Painboy Rot is one of the most hated orc boys of the tribe. However, no one bothers to kill him as he's made Gin's deaf dread brain bit work. He is often joined by crazy knobs. uh, And these knobs, which he has killed in their sleep, 
then attached a leech squig onto them, then made claws out of squig teeth and attached to them, I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the bestest tough trade told from the point of view of mech boy Oz. Oh my god, this is going to be okay. great. I'm, <laughs> bear, bear with me, please. So, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. As we were cruising along our speed dreads, we found an orc camp which we had never been seen before. So we rode in... Is this in. what it sounds like when I try to read? <laughs> <laughs> I Except I'm I, trying to read just normal English. I wish I could do it in an orc voice, but I just don't think I can I can do that. <laughs> um, so we rode in and the place was a lot unorky. They had things they had things called shops run by orcs. Orcs. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like indignation. Like yeah. they had things like shops run by orcs. Orcs! Okay, I see, I see. <laughs> Man, you should read this. Yeah, you're two lines in, brother. Okay, man, you got a lot more to go. (laughs) Anyways, we see that they be selling loot for teff. So, oh, that's supposed to be teeth. Yeah, teeth. Okay, I think teeth toff is like singular because later he says, "I want fifty toff." Yeah, two. Oh. Okay, okay, that makes more sense. That's why the bad moons. I was like, why would they have lots of toff? Yeah, yeah. So. So T- top, oh, and the best is top trade. Yeah, probably, okay, he sense. probably wants another O there, so it'd be like yeah. toof. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, supposed yeah. to be definitely toof. Toof. Okay. Okay, okay, we're learning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're making assumptions about someone else's story. Yeah, we're making assumptions when reading in a fake language <laughs> <laughs> by crazy goblins. So. <laughs> okay. So, anyways, we see that selling loot for teeth. So we thinks that we can get ourselves some. Sp- speed stuff or bombers boomers um so we ride up to the first one and go oi how much for them gubbins he goes 50 t- tough <laughs> i go no 50 tough i rip off his left ear <laughs> so he goes no 50 tough and he goes ripped off my left ear <laughs> but little did he know i had a attack squig up there and he lost his, and Oz proceeds to laugh hysterically. <laughs> That's supposed to be you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's in quotes, though. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, no, it's, it's ast- not. It's, it's asterisk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Oz proceeds to laugh hysterically. So, um, so we left him a tooth and bolted the grubbins onto our bikes. And then we went to the garage where the mech boys were working on some truck. So then uh, go we go, so we go to them, uh, uh, how much for that truck? <laughs> and then uh, they goes, uh, we ain't selling it. So we goes, yes, you is. Uh, they went, no, we ain't. So... <laughs> so, anyway, so we, <laughs> uh, yes, you is, and we blew their heads off, uh, and then he laughs hysterically. Um, what? <laughs> you blew their heads off. You laughed. Yeah. 
Well, not all of their heads. Okay. Oh, I see. I see. Well, not all of their heads. We left one, then took the rest of their ta- teeth, and then gave it to the last one and took the truck. <laughs> bought the truck. Oh, man. Yeah, they bought it. They bought it. <laughs> they bought the truck. Well that's, done, that's a normal. Well done. That's a normal transaction. <sighs> I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been so nervous. <laughs> yeah, I loved that moment when we got to the story, and I was like, oh, man, that's... <laughs> That's a move right Good there. Job. <laughs> I can't. Holy. So, first of all, I, I yeah. apologize. <laughs> you may have messed up a word or two. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, though? No. Yeah, exactly. Not really. exactly. It, it is funny reading. Every orc story, they always have, like, 50-word sentences. Like, if you go through, I don't think he uses many periods. It's all just comma <laughs> after <laughs> comma <laughs> after comma. It's a... It's a lot of run-on sentences, but I that may have been done it intentionally because it feels orky. Yeah, but it's hard to read. It is. Yeah. <laughs> you did a good job. Yeah, you did a you good think job. So? Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm gonna listen back to this and, uh, and just be <laughs> just cringing. You know? Pull your hair out. <laughs> oh man. So we can assume it's the fly tribe flash tooth. Yeah. Not Toff. But it's spelled T-O-F-F. Yeah, though. it's spelled T-O-F-F, and it's consistently spelled T-O-F-F. Yeah. But when he tries to spell Teef, he spells T-E-F-F. Yeah. So we're assuming that Toff is Toof and Tef is Teef. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what we're say, making that assumption. Say that again? <laughs> yeah. So these guys are a combination of... Bad moons and evil suns. Bad moons, yeah, and evil suns. And bad moons do what, Mark? Uh, they do things. I don't know. Aren't Bad Moons the rich? One of them are the um, ones that like to go no, really fast. No, uh, yeah. Evil Suns like to go fast. Bad Moons have a lot of teeth. Their teeth grow fast. Yeah, they're rich. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it's a combination of people that like to go fast and really rich people. Yeah. And that, uh, So that's where that. you get the flash yeah. and the toff, yeah. Yeah, but you also get that in the thing. Like, yeah. uh, like in that whole anecdote that you read, mm-hmm. it's like a guy trying to get trucks. Yeah. Like, he's just trying to get things to, like, go really fast. <laughs> yeah. um, and they paint their stuff yellow, too, right? They do, yeah. yeah. Yellow and red, I think. Yeah, red for fast and yellow for, like, boom. No, yellow is uh, wealth. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Gold. Shiny gubbins. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm only it's new. like you I'm don't only, even speak this I'm only new. I'm language. only new to this <laughs> hobby. I don't know things. I don't know about mantis shrimp or tooth. <laughs> yeah, so they they were on a planet. All the other orcs <laughs> left and then the spores that were there like combined and so it looks like there's not really a lot of other clans on this planet. Doesn't seem like it, no. Yeah. yeah. And then a spacewalk crashed into the planet and now they're trying to yeah, they kind of looted it. Yeah, and, and they're trying to refurbish it so they can get off the planet yeah. and go start their own war. And it was, yeah. That's kind of cool. Uh, honestly, like, it's, orc lore, it doesn't matter what you write. I know, it really <laughs> does, yeah. It's all fun. Yeah, it doesn't have to be particularly, like, amazing. Like, you can write it and it can be humorous and it can still be very orky. Yeah. You don't have to write humorous orky, but it's totally okay to write that. Yeah. Um, it worked. It was funny. I yeah, liked it. I enjoyed it. Squig pits. The squig pit was <laughs> like good. Squig pits. Um, the the interest. One of the most interesting things here was where is it? Okay, he was nearly as strong as Thraka and loved squigs and enjoyed making armored squigs. 
I just think it's odd for them to love squigs. Why? I don't know. Just like love seems like a weird yeah, word. Don't they normally like look it, down on them and kind of like? Uh, that's more grot. So squigs are like uh, pets. Yeah. Oh, are they? Yeah. And okay, they, they yeah. come in a variety of shapes. Yeah, like like the one like, guy was talking about how like he ripped my ear off, but it was a squig. Yeah. Like he literally had just attached a squig right, right. to his <laughs> head. Yeah. The love squigs though, it just seems it is, odd to me. It's funny, yeah, to see a lork an orc love anything really. Yeah. Like Except love other, other than fighting, of course, and war. And <laughs> yeah. I, I do like the the squig pit and how he put him in it and let the squigs eat him. We um, all need a good squig pit. Yeah. <laughs> uh putting the old boss in the mech. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Wait, what's the difference again between squigs and snots? Okay, so th- there's typically kind of like three terms we're throwing out here. So there's like Gretchen, yeah. snots, grots. They're kind of all the same. What's a snot? Y- they're, they're basically all like think goblins, yeah. essentially. Okay, Squigs yeah. are an entirely different thing, and they can range anything. They look like Pac-Man with legs. Right. Squigs Some can be do, yeah. this big, like the size of a mouse. Yeah. They can be the size of an elephant, though. Yeah. But yeah, you also have like squig-offs, like... Yeah, so squigs are just like orc animals, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah, like Gretchen, Snots, and Grots, they're basically goblins. Oh, okay, goblins. Well, okay, yeah, but then there's just the different sizes between them. Exactly. But they are all part of the orc species. They're, they're, they're intelligent. Yeah, yeah. And to a degree. Yeah. Whereas squigs don't actually have yeah. any intelligence. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are just animals. Like animals. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Fuck. There we go. That's. <laughs> Those are words. Those are all words. That was a good one. I I really like this story, actually. It just it felt really orky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I hope I was able to tell the story. Oh, just like (laughs) yeah. I think you did a great job. Great job. Great. Nobody reads orc like Rio. Rio is the best orc reader. Quite frankly, Uh, lots of people tell me this. Everybody (laughs) tells me he's the best orc reader. (laughs) You definitely have to listen. I may be better. I might do a little bit better, but 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 Rio does a great job. (laughs) He's a great job. He's one of my greatest people. (laughs) We've been friends for years. (laughs) That's actually pretty good, James. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm secretly the one who does all the speeches. Yeah. <laughs> You're the one writing them. I write all of them. Were you the one that gave him that piece of paper that had like the no? It was <laughs> no like anime titties anymore. No. <laughs> what no, was, I know what you mean. Was it, it was, like? It was like a big eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, and yeah. there was only like four lines of writing, and it was looked like it was made with like a felt marker, yeah. <laughs> like it was the letters were so huge, and it was like yes, no was collusion, yeah. Yeah. none yeah, of yeah. it. That was me. Yeah, no collusion. I never did. Russia no. hoax. I just read a news. headline this morning. It said um, apparently coronavirus mm-hmm. is a Democrat um, yeah. hoax. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, it's also, and then later when when Republicans start dying from coronavirus, they'll say it's a it's a, a democratic uh, conspiracy. Well, no, yeah, really. there we go. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. it's like a weapon right. that they're using specifically to target bio, bio re- weapon to target Republicans. <laughs> clearly, you guys are well informed about politics. Absolutely, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> nobody knows politics. Quite frankly, I'm the best at politics. <laughs> Many people have told me. Yeah. You know what? And this country told me. They voted for me. They told me we want you doing politics. Should we just change listener lore segments to 
Donald Trump. Donald Trump reads your listener, Lord. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, James, and you do your... the squigs, quite frankly, the squigs. Phenomenal. <laughs> Phenomenal squigs. Everybody has told me the squigs are great. Marguerite Thraka, as she calls herself. What kind of name is that, quite frankly? I don't know. <laughs> I wish we were recording this. Like, he's also like got like the hand. We, we're not recording this. What have we been doing here? Well, I mean video. I mean video. We're just we're just like sitting here speaking into mics, reading people's lore. It's like the community with uh, Troy and Ovid. Like, yeah, yeah. They do their like video set. Yeah. They, there's no cameras there. Oh my goodness! And now for your story, read by James. As President Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are you actually, you are reading the next one, aren't you? No, I no, think no, I am. Marcus? Okay. Yeah, I'm so the story Anthony. is uh, by Marcus, not me. This is somebody else. Uh, and his, he has an evil son's army. So we're doing another orc one. Which is perfect, because then I can blame every mess up on shitty writing. Perfect. <laughs> In the northeast fringe of the galaxy, there lies a planet of orcs. Run by the evil son's clan, since they have been producing the biggest and most brutal knobs ever since the war boss Mad Doc Max rose from the ranks. Now I know what you're thinking. There's never been a pain boy who managed to make all the way to the top. Well, actually, I've never thought that once. Yeah. Go listen to our bonus episode, Odd Boys and Odd Boys, and you hear all about pain bosses. That's not even a, a bonus episode. It's a real episode. Oh, real. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll just fix this little error here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Type that in real quick. Okay. So let's hear how we managed to do it. Maybe after we know, we can prevent it from happening again. <laughs> Mad Doc Max is but a pain boy under the boss by the name of Git Splitter. And right now, that's all he needs. Oi, Doc, get, get, get out of my sight. <laughs> <laughs> Egon in and his skull crumped by some big umi. I'd figures you'd be the one that teach him a lesson. The boss yells at Max half out of hate, half out of excitement that comes from what Doc might make. Uh, got him, boss. So is he going to pay him teeth or is he going to get letting me take him? <laughs> <laughs> Doc asked with a grin. Everyone knows a doctor won't work for free, even for a boss, unless the boss makes them. <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> of course. The, Orclogicus. The boss merely smiles. That's all he needs to see. The git it is. You hear that git use git and some upgrades. The doc yell yells into the patient's ear. This was the precedence for a long time. The, 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 the doc either had some volunteers or unwilling volunteers and upgraded them. Things like squigs on the orc's backs for extra set of eyes. Or a, ch- a choppa compartment in their chest cavity <laughs> or even a shoulder mounted slugger now these sound amazing but the reason that doc got the title of mad is because he made a mech boy who built too many or who built bombs in every upgrade <laughs> the doctor had a very bad habit of getting bored and pressing a red button he kept on him that caused a random orc to explode. <laughs> it didn't take long for the orcs to realize he was pressing a button. It took them several years to realize he was the one blowing him up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why are you pressing that button? 
like you always pressing that button. Yeah. <laughs> they, see, they all see him pressing it, but they they can't make the connection that as soon as he presses it, one of them blows up. That's good. Yeah. Over a long time, this pain boy turned into a pain boss, and eventually had. Uh, he. Sorry, I skipped here. Where are we? got into the habit of having his patients on the table in moments with his upgrades on them and teeth in his pocket. Something about the speed of his mad... Made. Uh, yeah. yeah. Work uh, all the more fun. Then he felt the call of the clan. He didn't want to just fix orcs. He wanted to go fast while doing it. He knew he needed a bike. One with a table on the back, of course. And so he beat, uh, bet, yeah, beat up a smaller knob and took his then upgraded took his then upgraded him at the cost since he had already had the bike Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. one day the doc was fixing up some orcs on the battlefield when a space marine landed in the battlefield with a heavy flamer the doc was pissed he charged the marine with a patient in tow and threw him right at the marine and they fought like beast yeah he fought like beast Yep. But finally, the dog <laughs> pinned the Marine down. Of course, with the meddling of some squigs he l- had lying around, the Marine spoke, Damn, Greenskin, we gonna purge you from the planet, you filthy Xeno scum. And the dog spoke back, That's all nice, Humey, but you've pissed me off. He's burning up them customers. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's why he's mad. <laughs> Then the doc proceeded to turn his face into a red paste with his fist. Shortly after, the doc beat his war boss the same way he, the same way because he, because he called the doc a git. <laughs> <laughs> Since then, the doc has been arming up and getting ready. A wog is coming, and the last phrase uh, we have on file from our species before they. Spies. Fa- oh, spies. <laughs> mm, before they found this. Use Humies thinks you can sneak around here. We're smarter than that, and you ain't even purple. Of course. <laughs> Listen here, Humies. We got a furious fixation and that speed to catch it. Mm-hmm. Now come on, you's looking like he's god gubbins. <laughs> orc. <laughs> 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 Mm, never go full orc. Yeah. <laughs> never, never go, go full orc. <laughs> uh, so that's his story. Yeah. That's how um, the Mad Doc becomes the Mad Boss Doc. Mad Doc Max becomes Mad Doc Pain Boss. So he has a bike with a surgery table on the back of it. <laughs> yeah. So he can do surgery while he goes fast. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> okay. Who do you think pilots the... He does. He does it all. He literally has one hand on like the steering <laughs> while he has one hand behind and he's just cutting He doesn't up have to look at either direction either. It'll <laughs> yeah. work itself. He probably has a squeak on the back of his head to look where he's oh, going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has extra eyes. eyes. Yeah. The chopper cabinet in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Uh, yeah. The bomb part is my favorite. Idea. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a really good addition for sure. <laughs> I like that one too. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that reads really well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for sharing, Marcus. Uh, it's, it's fucking. I like adorable. it. I, I orcs. <laughs> like orcs are just. It doesn't matter how ridiculous you get. You, uh, you yeah. can't say anything about it. Like, 
It's canon. Yeah. It's canon, though. I liked the whole, like, we smarter than that, and you're not even purple. <laughs> like, you dumb idiot <laughs> bitch human. Like, don't you know if you want to sneak, you got to be purple. <laughs> God damn. Like, he's just so exasperated yeah. with how dumb these humans are. Oh, man. Oh. It's scientifically proven. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when was the last time you saw purple ore, you dumb idiot? You did it. I've never seen a purple Exactly. Oh, my God. Checks out. <laughs> checks out. Science checks Verified. out. Oh. I like it. Cool. I really like it. It's very, very orky, and that's my favorite. <clears throat> okay. All right. Next. All right. Anthony's story. Mm. Uh, that is not the Donald Trump voice. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Come on. You got like, the shortest the amount, story of all. The amount all. of commitment I'd have to put into that to get all the way through this in the that voice is, is a lot. You say it's short, but it would effectively triple it. Because after every sentence, it's going to be like, everybody told me. Okay. <laughs> Don't worry <laughs> about it. The people want to hear it like that. <laughs> Send your messages to Mark. And if <laughs> if there's over 100,000 requests, I'll do it. <laughs> If this video gets 10 million likes, I will smash that like and subscribe. Yeah, smash like, subscribe. (laughs) Okay, here we go. So you can ah! commit to this, but you can't commit to a Donald Trump thing. Okay. To, I'm doing my always vocal exercise to Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Okay. After seeing unified Black Legion finally succeed, Karn has set out to unify the world leader bands under the original banner to show the galaxy the true power of Korn. Mm. Gathering warband after warband beneath him, demanding veterans of the Dominion of Fire campaign to take charge of those who put a struggle be submitted. As he continues to gather or destroy warbands who accept Korn's greatest champion as their leader, portions of this newly formed legion continue to support Abaddon in his great crusade. As he tears through enemy and foe with his personal battalion, he seeks those who are strongest to join his crusade, while others get left to join Abaddon. His personal force is made up of a Lord of Skulls, who is a veteran of the Dimor campaign, a demon prince, Korn, has personally charged with the protection of his avatar, an exalted champion who his men had to forcibly remove from the Ocaterius sector during the Blood Crusade, two Havoc squads, and three squads of heretic- heretical Astartes who massacred Death Watch at Ebon Vale. Finally, his closest and most loyal units, those who assaulted Holy Terra with him and carried his lifeless body to safety, three squads of berserkers, and their transport, who originally bore loyalist colors. Collecting skulls from every corner of the warp, and now Galaxy, the living avatar of Korn, hears a subtle whisper. It is his master, in a guttural voice, all that is spoken is, Two scars, (laughs) one reborn, the other crippled. Khan looks towards his men with a smile underneath his helmet and screams, Kill him on! <laughs> Rampant yelling and chanting began over his battalion of faithful. As he commands the path to be set for him back towards the Imperium, he solely focuses on taking Gorchild through the neck of the crippled false emperor. 
For now, though, he shall lead his legion towards the Ultramarine Primarch, knowing the skulls and blood shall reap hefty rewards for his faithful. That's that. That is that. Anthony's story. Do you want to shit on it, Eric, or should I? <clears throat> what an invitation. Uh, yeah. Where what do an I invitation. Go from there? Well, like... I'll take it from here. Or or not. Well, okay. So he's using Karn, who's yeah. an established character. And who has done none of these things and who has no desire to lead a war band. That like, so yeah, it's kind of that. That's probably the biggest thing here. Like the the Diamore campaign is a real thing. The Dominion of Fire, like he very well could have been at those. Oh sure, sure. Yeah. And I think I like that. I like adding like oh yeah, yeah So yeah. his um uh, uh okay. So his personal force is made up of a Lord of Skulls who is a veteran of the Diamore campaign. I like that. I think that's sure. a cool. Yeah, thing like to all add. of its flavor. Sure. Like literally, if he just changed Karn's name to anything else. This would be awesome. I would like it. It adds a lot of character. Comes off a bunch of little things. What if, what if he just said that Karn wasn't the leader of the war band? Then that'd be fine too. But like Karn literally has no desire to have followers. He just does his own thing. People he, are scared to be with Karn. Yeah, like yeah. he doesn't go around collecting people. That's not his motivation. That's not who he is. He just wants to go kill. That's all he wants to do. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if he just changed the name, it would be cool. It'd be very have Karn, Like, it'd be cool to have Karn in your army. That would like, be cool. Yeah. The, like, um, so, if there was a, a leader of this war band who was desperately trying to like corral Karn in his yeah. bloodlust, yeah. while also trying to do all these things, I think would might fit a little better yeah. with Karn so instead just of make Karn up your own leading. Add your own boy in there. Yeah. Yeah. And Karn add, can still be a part. It of It could be like, Anthony. No yeah. Anthony yeah. is the leader. Anthonitis. Yeah. Then, then it would all be pretty penis. cool, but just, yeah. When when you have an established character, you really can't write anything about them. You can. It's just really tough. It's just really tough. It's you just really, really got to know, like, what they are, who they are as yep. a person, and this it, is yeah. not who Karn is at all. So. Not, yeah, not really. It does read pretty well, though. Yeah, like, all of that's good. And, like, yeah, I like, I like the, the whole... details. I like the prophecy aspect of it. Like, Does it say in here... So, re, re, this sentence right here, it says, A demon prince, Karn has personally... Charged with the protection of his avatar, Karn isn't a demon prince. Corn says Corn. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm confused. A demon prince, Corn, like the god, a demon prince that Corn, the god, has personally charged with the protection of his. Oh, avatar. so there's a Corn. demon prince yeah. in in this war band yeah. that has been personally charged with protecting Karn. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Okay, okay, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, sure. Well, that yeah, that's crazy. Like. To have like a demon prince looking after you, mm-hmm. yeah, decent, decent boys, decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't, I think it was well done. It just, I don't know enough about. Yeah, like Karn for someone for someone who's not it, super familiar with Karn, there's yeah, and there's only good is, things about this. Yeah, yeah, and if all you seen was he's a cool model on tabletop, awesome. Yeah, and he like loves to fight for corn. Yeah. He just loves skulls. Sure, but the more you might learn about him, the more this might not fit as well yeah. as you'd like but honestly th- like our i think our suggestion stands like bring in your own leader of the war boss the war band and instead of karn trying to lead everyone this one guy is it's, yeah. it's like someone trying to channel karn yeah for corn yeah that's definitely way more what it's like right like like, yeah. like you can still like you can still have someone who cares about creating, like, reuniting the world eaters, trying yeah. to bring back this unifying, united force, trying to go for Gilliman and trying to go for um, <clears throat> uh, the Emperor. But, yeah. like, his 
one of his major problems is the fact that Karn doesn't care and he has to try and corral Karn and point him at the right enemy yeah. so Karn doesn't murder and his away own from himself yeah yeah like yeah, well exactly. and that that cuz often with backstories people write i i think this is a problem that most people run into is they don't write why you're struggling cuz like the best part of any story is what is inhibiting what's your, your weakness what's yeah, your complex what's yeah. exactly why are you inhibited from achieving your goals so if you're if you are trying to like ah oh, Karn keeps like he keeps pulling us in the wrong direction or like he keeps taking people and going in the wrong place or he kills <laughs> yeah, yeah. our own guys too yeah. much and it's like but okay. I think this this that also really fits with this that's such a good thing because yeah. the world eaters are known for getting caught up in bloodlust all the time and if Karn constantly starts these rampages all the <laughs> world eaters will follow that exactly. bloodbath right and, and so, so his goal of like trying to get Gilliman is it's, constantly thwarted by yes. the fact that Karn is just pulling everyone to follow his yeah. bloodbath. But at exactly. the same time, he still needs Karn, so it's just yes, like, yeah. because it's a favorite of Corn, yeah, yeah. and Karn being there, you know, Draws makes this demon people. prince there, yeah. this Lord of Skulls, and yeah. yeah. No, so, so I, I, think I think you could really be... turn this into something interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. By just making those two major tweaks. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. like for my own thing like the main problem of my army's lore is that oh we can't ever achieve our goal like you're, you're never going to be able to well that's just 40k sure but like <laughs> that's that's the point no, but yeah no, like, for sure it's inherently inside the they're like guys they can't ever get what they want they're always going to be frustrated and so sure you might say well they're never actually going to kill Gilliman because if you did that'd be weird yes but, you could never write in the story that karn actually takes gilliman's skull no you could write that they fought though sure like yeah. why not yeah could get all the way up just, to that just but then that's i you see i personally don't like putting actual named characters yeah, in me stories too. because then it's like well like what if something in the actual lore comes out and it's like oh gilliman and karn fought and it was in totally di- and the, if this was the first time they fought yeah and yeah. or gilliman <laughs> kills karn yes yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just it, it would force you to change what you're doing, which yeah. like to some people isn't the end of the world. No, no. Like if you really like Karn, I can see why you'd write a story like this. Like Yeah, obviously this guy real like Anthony really likes Karn, which is good. Like it's good to be passionate. I like I like the care world leaders are you. my favorite. Yeah. Chaos and Karn is badass. Well, yeah, like I just finished um Lost in the Damned, which is the second book in Terra. And in it Angron, like Angron is not super dominant, but he's like one of the more prominent um, traitor Primarchs in it. And it's so cool. And Karn is in it too. And it just talks about, like, there's this one scene where Angron and Karn kill, like, thousands of their own space marines on their own ship. <laughs> they just go into a bloodbath and kill all their brothers. And there's and there's another scene where Karn and Angron fight. And it, it's really cool. Hmm. Like, it just... it Karn fought Angron? Yeah. Who won? A couple times. Angron kicks the <laughs> shit out of him every time. Yeah. Yeah. There's another good story, too, where they first discover Angron, and he's, like, doing a rampage in his room on their ship or whatever, and they send in, like, world eater after world eater to try to, like, calm down Angron. And eventually they send in Karn, and he just gets, gets the shit beat out of him. <laughs> like, the whole, like, story is just about him getting beat up. And just like, I would oh. just like to see that calm down Ang- Angron. Yeah, yeah. Calm down. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it's really yeah. good. Like, yeah. I like how they write. tossed around the room. Yeah. Like, his I, arms are breaking. I like how like, they write the yeah. interaction of yeah. Angron and Karn. Anyways, that's oh, not. Yeah. this isn't about Angron. But I think Karn is also a really cool character. And I like that you use, like, I 
personally don't have a problem that you use him, but I think with like two tweaks, you can really make this story actually much more fitting yeah, for yeah. like the 40k. Even if you never like, obviously you play with Karn and you play with a Lord of Skulls and a Demon Prince and Exalted Champion, and that's really cool that you added in all that stuff. Yeah, and they all have a little bit of a backstory yeah, to them. Yeah, and they cool. all fight in different campaigns. Yeah. Like the Diamore, I was like, I swear that's real. Like That's yeah. in the 13th Black Crusade. Yeah. Like, it's cool that you've added that. Yeah. Um, even if you never use, like, this character that we're talking about, this leader of your warband, even if you never use him on the tabletop, make a model for him. Sure. Make a model, write a little story for him, add him into this. Like, there's a reason. Like, he's way too... Maybe he's scared of Karn, and he refuses to be in the same battle as Karn because <laughs> yeah, yeah, he knows yeah. what Karn he is going to do. He just knows any minute. Karn is going to turn around and smash his face yeah. in. So like, you can write a reason as why they're never on the table at the same time. Sure. And I think... I like this. You have, like, the good starting point of a story. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? Didn't have orcs, so how Didn't do we have orcs? feel yeah. about yeah. that? Well, it's a little disappointed. <laughs> a, little, a little disappointed. A little let down, I feel. <laughs> I was promised orcs in the listener lore. So okay. are we doing four? Four world now? Forgo world. Four world. Everyone's favorite <laughs> provider yeah. of models. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Uh, I'll pick this one up. Yeah, if you get sick of reading, I'll pick it up after that. You got it. All right. This is from Danny. This is his Forge World. Uh, there's a little... It's actually Danny DeVito. Yeah. Unconfirmed. <laughs> so there's just a little um, preface. Hey, guys. This is the lore I have written for a character I plan on adding to my Tau army. Guavesa... Quavesa o Lubgrahi Navis Fiotak Las Rena o Navis to the Tau, and Navis Vizar to the rest of the galaxy. While he and his appearance is heavily based on the Tau culture, his character is more akin to a rogue trader, just a dude in his spaceship fucking around the galaxy and picking up a group of allies along the way. The story I send now is only his origin story per se, the reason why he isn't just a regular human dude, and the reason he looks the way he does on tabletop and the abilities that he has. For reference, on tabletop I have him used as a cadre fireblade. If you guys want to... Oh, maybe I wasn't supposed to read this. Mm. It's just a foreword. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nothing else matters. It's just talking stuff about I've us. I've never read any of these. Yeah. I just copy and pasted. <laughs> this looks like where the story starts. Forward? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Danny, <laughs> for that lovely forward. Mr. DeVito. Yeah. So anyways, I started Blast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Far Side Enclaves. A hand reaches up from the wound it has been pressing on, covered in blood. Help me. The hand belongs to Navi Vizar, a Guavesa, born of the Enclaves. The hand touches and stains the leg of a mighty riptide battle suit. The suit in question is piloted by none other than Ovesa himself, a member of Commander Firesight's eight, Farsight's eight. 
He looks down, his suit sensors registering the voice and sees the human, lower body riddled with holes from shots taken, and he recognizes him. The massive suit crouches down, the optics focusing on the human's face. He has a ghost of a grin on his face, at least with the face he has left to grin with. End it for me, will you? He asks. I can't very well be much of a human helper in this state. The Tao in the suit manages a small sigh at the dark humor this meek human managed to work up in his state, and an idea quickly crosses his mind. He takes a couple seconds to debate it, weighing the pros and cons, the reprimands he might receive against the praise he would also get. We'll see about that. Medical drones hover about a body lying on a table, prodding it with warp knows what and replacing pieces with other pieces. The body belongs to Navi Vizar, the same human who had been recovered on the battlefield. His face is partially wrapped with bandages, hiding the gore that was left of it. His body is in the same condition, his lower torso and legs all either wrapped, dressed, or simply not there. The screen tracking this poor human's vitals is a mess of data. Unfortunately, none of it looks good. Much to the despair of the collective artificial intelligence of the various medical drones working on the body, it is shutting down, the injuries it has sustained proving too much for it. The drones concede with a sad tone of defeat and activate the backup protocol, and after a few incisions and a couple of implants, the human's consciousness begins to be downloaded onto a chip. What? Where am I? Don't try to move. I can't feel my legs or my body. Do not panic. The short conversation between Ovesa and the computer interface before him is heard by no one as it takes place in a secluded hangar unknown by most. What is happening to me? The computerized... Oh, sorry. What is happening to me? (laughs) I'm just kidding. I won't read that. Uh, The computerized voice asks, not quite as robotic as the first few sentences, it spoke, but still nowhere near passable as an organic voice. Why can't I see anything or feel anything? If one paid close attention to the voice, they might have detected the beginnings of panic in it. Ovesa did. Your optical interface has not yet been connected for your own well-being. My optical interface? You mean my fucking eyes? Whoa, family friendly. <laughs> Come on. Frustration can now be clearly made out in the voice. But Ovesa takes no notice. No, I mean your optical interface. You no longer have eyes. There is a short pause and the voice responds, What happened to me? The Earth, now Firecast member, subconsciously hand signs, hesitance, and prepares his explanation. Your injuries were too great and your physical body perished. Then why am I here? Here is... He signs hesitance once again. Not quite the term I'd use for your current status. Then tell me what I am. Well, you're not panicking quite as much as I had expected. Well, I can't very well panic appropriately until you tell me what the fuck happened to me. Ovesa signs deep sigh at the computer's choice of words and continues. Your consciousness was placed into one of the memory drives that we had removed from an unwilling warrior. It was damaged during the extraction, so we have had to slowly awaken parts of your consciousness as we tested it to confirm the repairs we made. Unfortunately, it is the reason you have yet to recover your vision, though I assure you that it will be given back to you 
is your mind and the chip better integrate? So is that why I can't feel my limbs? Ovesa takes another pause as he chooses his wording. You currently do not. He pauses again and signs uncertainty and hesitance. Possess a physical human flesh and blood body. The computer is silent for approximately two minutes before the voice returns. Then how am I alive? Your chips don't work without a host. Your chip, as I had stated before, was not in a fully functioning state due to its rather brutish extraction. It is currently integrated into a complex series of processors, though be assured that they have sufficient capacity and power to host your consciousness. The computer, upon hearing this news, falls silent. It says no other words, much to the chagrin of Ovesa, except for one final sentence as Ovesa begins to turn to leave. Turn me off. He turns around, shock playing on his hands. Why? Because a life like this is no life at all. I'm no better than the servitor I would have become for the Imperium if I had been captured in the battle before I died in. So please, kill me. Don't make me suffer this meager excuse for a life any longer. Pity plays in his eyes as the Tau looks at the computer screen serving as the face for the human. I am sorry, young one, but this Tau cannot do that for you. Please forgive me. The computer says nothing else except for the screen of the interface shutting off. Fio Yui Lubgrahi Kais finishes installing a processing unit into a streamlined console, closing once she double-checks to make sure every connection is in its proper place. She walks off, unaware of what she has truly accomplished that day, much like every other EarthCast technician before her that has transferred that same processing unit into increasingly upgraded consoles under the order of Ovesa. A beep pings out into the silence of the hangar bay, alerting Fio Yui Kais, and she turns around to check the interface system, looking for any error messages that might have come up. There are none, as she had hoped, and she continues on her way. The screen on the freshly prepared console blinks to life, various data streams coming online. Unbeknownst to the Fio Yui Kais, the processing unit she had placed was the brain of Navi Vizar, or at least the entity known as him. For the first time in two years it awoke, having shut down since discovering its true nature. Where am I? It thought to itself. Two small indicator lights came on as the optics on the new console activated. It found that its new range of view was no longer confined to the bounds of human eyes, but made up of several micro-cameras embedded in the sleek tower that now housed it. With this new 360-degree range, the computer observed its surroundings. These ships looked different from the ones he knew, the entity thought to itself, and attempted to run a search through the memory files, but no entries showed up. In fact, none of the items in this new space match any files from the memories he had. With the troubling thought that maybe everything it had known being gone, the entity shut down its optical inputs and went back to sleep. Eighteen more years passed before the entity woke once more, having a goal for the first time in twenty years. It pinged out an alert for the only Tau it knew would still be alive from his memory banks, Ovesa, the very one who had created it. Sitting in his private study, 
Ovesa was working on improvements to his Riptide's AI based on its performance on the battle he had recently returned from. A message alert went off on a console near him, and he leaned over to read it. Your assistance is required, was all the simple message consisted of, but that wasn't what seized his attention. The sender was none other than that of Navi Vizar, the Guavesa he had saved on the battlefield nearly twenty years earlier. He quickly made his way to the hangar that the console Navi was stored on, and was met with the compact console that he was now residing in. I didn't expect to hear from you, said the computer, signing, or sorry, said the commander, signing surprise. The entity noted the hand movement and responded, I did not expect to be assaulted by a dead man's memories involving you during my attempt to not exist. A dead man's memories? What are you talking about? Ovesa asked as he signed confusion. Navi Vizar's memories, the man you attempted to save. His memories haunt me, useless nightmares that I do not want. I request that you rid me of them so I may continue my attempt to rest. Incredulous and disbelief flashed across the Tao's hands as he heard the man-now-machine's request. Why would you want to do that? To waste the life given to you? He was cut off by the entity. This is not what I would call life. I am left immobile in this useless container, a mind left to decay into insanity with no sensory inputs, no interaction, and no purpose. If this is what you call life, then I loathe it, for it is nothing more than a hollow and worthless trinket. Ovesa was hit with a wave of sympathy, and for a moment he could do nothing more than stand and form half-words. Well then tell me, aside from removing the memories, what can I do for you? The entity paused. Give me purpose. Give me a body that I may, that I may at least call my own. If you wish to keep me alive, I plead, let me feel alive. Ovesa sighed and said softly, I will try my best to fulfill your request, though until I am able to, you must keep yourself online, so that my technicians may be able to prepare your psyche for transference once again. The entity simply pinged approval. Ovesa grinned. She's gonna take a quick drink. I'm almost done. Five months later. Five months later. <laughs> Ovesa. After multiple pulled strings and failed projects, returned to Navi. Over the course of those months, he tr his trusted technicians had come to him several times, informing him of the progress on the new vessel for his consciousness. This time, however, Ovesa himself had come, bringing along a roughly seven-foot-tall container behind him, being pushed by a drone. "'Is this it?' he asked the commander, pinging excitement. "'Yes, it is,' he said proudly. "'The apex of nanotechnology.' The container opened to reveal a humanoid figure, gunmetal gray and devoid of features. It doesn't seem like much now, but once you become accustomed to the new multitude of sensory inputs, the nanobots forming the outer layer of the vessel's skin, he gestured lack of better explanation, will be able to take on whatever form and pigment you should desire. Within reason, of course. Navis, as he had rechristened himself, optics, in the new, optics took in the new body. Let's get started. The first few weeks in the new body involved a harsh learning curve. Walking, in fact, was not a simple task, especially when one had been aware constantly of the shape of the foot it was walking in so that it would retain that shape. Nonetheless, 
Navis had mastered walking, running, and pretty much everything else involving a physical body that he could do before. By the fourth month into breaking in his new home, he had become as adept, if not more so, than he was before at the art of war due to the fact that he no longer required sleep or meals, which took up a surprising amount of time. By the seventh month, he had solidified his physical appearance, looking very much human from the middle of his torso up, but choosing to leave the parts he lost in battle the dull gray of the body was originally. By the first anniversary of his new body, Navis had been allowed to rejoin physical combat, albeit only as a training tool for the new fire warriors coming to the academy on the enclaves. Though not the warrior he was before, compared to his former existence, Navis was satisfied. Hmm. Interesting. That's pretty wild, yeah. It is really cool, actually. I actually really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the whole, like, nano uh, chip thing that they have. Like, I don't think Tau play on that the enough. The engrams or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. that's an I agree. thing that they can do. Both of us wish that they yeah. included that a lot more in yeah. the Tau. Because then you, you would get cool stories like this all the time, so. Um, well, I wonder if this is, like, considered a taboo, right? Like, even among Tau, like, putting a human in one of their chips like tow is very class system um, right like this is the far side enclave so i know that that's why it makes it, it that why it makes it more acceptable like yeah. Yeah. you're way more i think you're way more likely to see this in the far side than you would in the tau empire yeah i'd agree it just yeah. seems like such a like a special thing reserved to only like pure tide commanders right like yeah yeah you don't do this to everyone exactly sure. and then yeah. to do it to a guavesa like, yeah 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 like Especially a Gruvesa La, like one of the lower ranks, it wouldn't ever Yeah, happen, so I like that Ovesa, yeah. like this Ovesa commander guy, like throughout the story, it felt like he knew what he was doing was like a taboo, and yeah. he was like hiding it and keeping it secret. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. I, I, wonder, if it, I wonder if there's like an actual model that Danny made and it's like a, a humanoid figure but it's pretty big and he like painted the bottom of it like silver or he just painted the top half and left the bottom yeah. sprue gray, so sprue gray. <laughs> maybe yeah yeah very cool i like it yeah that was a great story actually it was pretty well written too yeah the it might sound different because doing voices kind of sucks especially I'm, if you've never pre-read yeah. or prepared <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's also just like tough because uh, I don't know what these voices sound like, and I don't trust myself to do like a consistent voice so you can tell the difference between the they two. They all sound so. very Cockney for some reason. Let's do they? Try, let, yeah, let's try it again. There's some in the British cock. accents in there. <laughs> hey, it's weird. It's a weird design choice, but <laughs> yeah, your nice. assistance is required. <laughs> I don't no. know what that was. I don't know what that was either. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I like the. If I did have... Okay, fine. If I did have one... <laughs> okay. You pulled it out of me. Yeah. <laughs> the what? timeline? Like, uh-huh. 20 years is a long time in the life of a town. So, Ovesa is an actual named character. Okay. And uh, he he created these micro-drones. And, like, he basically makes them eternal. Like, really? Maybe not eternal. That's Oh, so is it, like, more nanotech? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. cool. Like, I didn't even know Avesa was a named character. I guess, obviously, he's part of the eight. 
Yeah. So, oh, that makes way more sense and actually ties in this whole nano suit way better now. Yes. So once you know that, it definitely improves it all. Oh, so, very cool. And, and it's funny because our last story, like, oh, don't ever take name characters. But I think this very much falls with um, this character's motivations, this Ovesa guy. Yeah. Because he was uh, an actual Earthcast member. So obviously like a, an inventor and scientist. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. Like willing this is, to experiment. Yeah. And he does create something called the micro drones, you know, so it's, it's very much in line. So, yeah. And it's not like this is game changing. Like he's not, uh, Danny isn't writing about a story where, uh, now, Ovesa creates like a doomsday weapon. Yeah. yeah or, or now, uh, What's his, the main character's name? Navis. Navis now is in charge of the Farsight on Right, yeah. Or something yeah. like that. No, like all know? this guy does is... He literally trains. He trains yeah. the Firelight, yeah. which is... Why not, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's so, totally so that's conceivable. Pretty awesome, yeah. That's definitely a good example of if you are using a named character of kind of how to implement it a little better. Yeah, like the, the main character isn't... The named character isn't the main character. Yeah. He's a supporting character doing yeah. things that it's very conceivable that he could have done. Yeah. on and off right? yeah because literally nothing about i don't need to know anything about Ovasa's story to like except that oh yeah he sure yeah. like yeah. he's not doing anything significant. exactly yeah mm -hmm. he's just a part of like yeah. the story yeah so yeah cool i liked it well done all right so if we had to pick what what was your guys's favorite oh we're doing that yep i want to hear let's do top five favorite okay top ones. five yeah top five favorite uh, my top five is probably uh, so I like the the craft world I guess is in my top five yeah. the two orc stories yeah, uh, yeah, the I forge world I could probably swing <laughs> in my top five um, yeah and then I guess the last one uh, world leaders in my perfect. top five perfect yeah. that's yeah. a good top five list yeah yeah I'm assuming that all of your guys' <laughs> top five is the exact same yeah and we all have the same stuff in our top five yeah I yes. think so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close, actually. It's quite, it's quite, quite. It's crazy. kind of uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> My God, what's wrong with us? Ugh. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, thanks everyone for sharing your stories. I hope we uh, gave you helpful pointers, and you know, we didn't, didn't just shit in your parade. Fuck. <laughs> Some, sometimes. <laughs> we're, uh, we're not nice people. Uh, no, there, there's some good stories. So I actually, I think my favorite was um, I liked Sirens. Uh, I really like. Oh, the, the Eldar one? Yeah, like, I think shrines, we, we don't get enough on them because they can be such unique things, and he did a really good job of making, like, an actually unique shrine world. It has shrine. a very Harlequin feel to it. Sure, sure, and maybe one of them was a Harlequin at some point, like, the original founder. Who knows? It, he didn't say, but... Yeah, he didn't. Well, I, I don't do people think leave the Harlequins? Um, like anything's possible. I don't think yeah, there's Yeah, sure, any anything's possible. I don't but think there's anything saying you I can. think it would be kind of cool to write a little bit of Segorak in there as well. I um, don't know if it actually comes from the Harlequins. I might yeah. just be making assumptions that aren't true. Yeah, so. yeah I, I don't think he I has just, any ties to it. Segorak is just such a, a character that you could totally see going to a craft world and appearing and, like, founding a shrine yeah. for himself. Yeah. Because he's, like, crazy like that. So. Yeah. I, I also personally like information as opposed to stories. So the way he presents it, I like having bullet points. I like information. Um, stories are cool, but... Yeah, I'm I'm definitely the other way yeah, in yeah, that. I prefer yeah. the story. Yeah, yeah I, the story gives it more, like, 
flavor and like their sure. people or characters yeah. of some sort. Like I, I have no idea how like this Danny guy runs his army on the tabletop or what it looks like yeah. or anything like that. But I, I understand the flavor sure. of what he's trying yeah. to communicate. Whereas in Zrin's, I could conceivably understand how that army looks on tabletop and how it runs. Sure. As opposed to like I yeah. don't you get a you don't get a lot of personality in their interactions with each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- I think just since like 40k has always been like a big part of my upbringing and stuff. You know, I've been playing since I was like 13. I was or raised something. on the teeth you know, so. of Nurgle's blessing. <laughs> but like, just. Uh, you like, merely adopted 40k. <laughs> I was born to it. <laughs> no, but like, uh, so just reading Let's Academy articles and then like the thing I like about 40k is being able to put my own creative spin onto the stories that they or the information that they've given us. So like, mm-hmm. that's I think why I lean towards more like lexicanum articles or like information points because then it, just, I can, it gets your mind going yeah because then i can take it and then i can do something with it you know yeah mm-hmm. so there's nothing wrong where's, with that yeah oh yeah either way is fine if you like stories or fuck, who, yeah who however you want to communicate your own yeah. army in 40k yeah. you write stories you write bullet points you write an um, entire page that's two sentences we're not going to read yeah, it as, but as long it's, as it's not over 10 minutes long let's or if it is no, you can't. That's illegal. Or even if that's, it is. That's illegal, Eric. In 47 <laughs> countries. Okay. We all signed the Warhammer Short Story Accords. <laughs> the WSSA. <laughs> right? Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks Wasa. for sharing. The Wassa. Wassa. <laughs> uh, if you want to submit uh, listener lore, we'll get to it eventually. We have a huge backlog. We have a decent backlog. Still submit it. Like We're going to get to them eventually. Uh, yeah. Submit it to lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you like what we're doing, subscribe to our Patreon. It really helps us out. Yeah. Smash that like and subscribe. Well, I don't care about that. Just give me your money. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> well, what does a like do? I get it lets more people it, it know It gives about my it. brain satisfaction. Yeah. Uh, it gives me that dopamine hit. That's right. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> Hot diggity. Hot diggity. Yeah. yeah. No. Thanks we, for, we appreciate your guys' support. So. Yeah, thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah thanks, thanks for, for having me. Anytime. Yeah, I know. Wow. You make <laughs> me feel like such a cheap hooker when you do that. <laughs> oh I'm just going to turn you down just to we'll the, buy you to a next burger time. Or something. Just so that you know I can. <laughs> but then we'll ask. I'm busy a, that week. We'll ask again. What are you doing? Nothing. Yeah. yeah. I'm washing my. Well. Just, <laughs> not just my hair. I'm oh, just okay. washing my hair. The hair on top of my head. Uh, okay. All right, cool. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks, children, for sitting on nope, my lap nope. to listen to nope. <laughs> This has been Uncle Mark. No. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success.